What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 215 of the Justin Inside podcast. Um, as promised, the annual Albums of the Year review show, review show, I guess that's the kind of best way to produce it. Albums that we enjoyed for 2021, even though this is coming out in the first week of 2022. Um, but as always, is as tradition for this show, I'm joined by my wonderful older brother. Oh, thank you for saying that. That's all right. Um, I realised it came up on my Facebook memories. We've been doing this for five years. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's a nice little, uh, not a little, nice little wholesome tradition. Yeah. And also, this is the first face-to-face podcast I've recorded since we did it last oh, year. Oh yeah, I guess that makes <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That's, so that's cool. But yeah, obviously, a, a whole new year, a whole lot of new music, which we're going to sort of delve into. But I know I've asked you this in outside of the recording world but how's kind of 2021 been for you in terms of like gigs returning music coming back in some shape or form of what we knew it before covid um gig wise not many i mean i can probably count on one hand how many shows i went to to be fair um not through choice more like through them being cancelled and the like but um as for like actual music like i found myself like spread myself across about three bands oh really yeah okay. yeah like that's that's going quite strong i mean i don't know if it was a case of everyone being locked down and just like having that passion just to get back out there and be like yeah we should get get in a room and just jam or whatever and I've, obviously i've jumped at every opportunity but um yeah like i said as for actual gigs no it's been pretty sparse to be honest yeah and i think obviously we're gonna get into it in the meat of this but like in terms of discovering sort of new music and, and stuff like that I think because I've seen where in 2020 like everyone was a bit like unsure of what was going on like in terms of just like recording schedules or release schedules and stuff like that and then obviously there was like there have been new bands that have been made and then new records recorded during lockdown but then there was stuff that was like put on the back burner from like late 2019 and like early 2020 that obviously got pushed back and like has seemed to kind of just almost verbal diarrhoea like this year. Like, it's just been insane. So, I don't know. Have you found compiling the 10 this year even more difficult than usual? Um, Yeah, it was, like you say, it was a massive kind of surge of everything, like, from new to, like, old bands that I've been into for ages, like, Mm. releasing stuff. Like, not stuff that I didn't even know was coming. Um. But as yeah, as for that the year as a whole, um, I think my look, I always make a uh, playlist on Spotify of just stuff I've dug. Yeah, and it came to like something like thirteen hours long. Yeah, yeah and that was yeah. like individual tracks. So it was really hard to it was kind of hard to pinpoint the ten. But um, <clears throat> as for the actual ten, I'd say ten to about two. Yeah, so nine of them. <laughs> are pretty kind of interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're kind of... They're, they're what my favourite releases have been, but in no particular order. My, my, I think my number one is probably my favourite thing slash discovery I've made this year. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I think, like, mine's kind of similar, just where, as I think my three to six are interchangeable, and then... One and two, uh, 
the ones that the I ones, kind yeah. of yeah. But like you said about your playlist, so I do a similar thing, but I do literally everything. So like albums and EPs rather than oh, like right, individual yeah. tracks. So I started putting it together yesterday. I'm not even halfway through my list and it's already 45 hours long. <laughs> so you've got that to look forward to, people, if you want lots and lots of music. Um, before we kind of jump into it, because I know each year there are some crossovers, so I want to have a, a hazard of guess this year. Yeah. So I reckon we're going to have two similar ones. Uh, <clears throat> I'd say two, yeah. yeah. Maybe two. Okay, right. So without further ado, this is going to be our top 10 albums of 2021. And as you are my wonderful guest, I'm going to let you kick things off with your number 10. Oh, thanks. You're so kind. <laughs> uh, my number 10 is, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Vald, Valde? <laughs> Valde? 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 By Humanity's Last Breath. Um, so I think it was probably, like it was, it was the start of the year this came out, I think. I think it was like March times. Was it March? Maybe, yeah. Earlier. So this, this is probably the thing I was probably most looking forward to at the start. Yeah, okay, so I think like on this episode last year, you said that was one of the records yeah, you were looking yeah, forward yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they started dropping the singles. Yeah, late, yeah. Late towards the year. And I'm like, I don't know about you, how, how do you sit on Deathcore generally? It has to be like exceptional for me to really yeah, so. like it. Otherwise, it's just all the same yeah I mean I, I agree it's kind of <clears throat> I've never really dug into any band along those lines really ever I don't think I mean I'm not really exaggerating like Suicide Silence like they were a thing weren't they yeah um, yeah cause that, but that was still very much like MySpace core sort of yeah thing. yeah I guess but yeah it's, it never really did that much for me and I, I, I respected what it was but it, it just never really sat with me but yeah, like you just said, it's just kind of, it is, it needs to be something really special to stand mm. out. And that's exactly what this is. Yeah. Like, those first couple of singles was like jaw dropping. It was like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, yeah. like I almost coined it smart death call <laughs> because it was just, it was like, it was so abstract <clears throat> and obtuse and really kind of off kilter in a way where it just like left me wanting so much more. So before this came out, I was digging back through their catalogue. Yeah, yeah. I found myself really immersed in it. Like the record before this one was called Abyssal. Did you did you check that? You yeah, I, that's the thing. I'm kind of like I was familiar with their stuff, but not enough to like really dig in. And I think this is the album that's kind of made me go, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. I get this now. Yeah, like and people have said like this is a bit more accessible, but like. To me, it's like a game changer in the genre entirely. Mm. Like it's just so thick and dense and creative. Yeah, in a way where you just like the the dude from what I've researched of him. Like the dude plays his guitar like the complete opposite way around, like any normal conventional guitarist would play. Okay, so he, you might have to elaborate. He, he plays left-handed, but he's right-handed. Okay, <laughs> and, he, and the highest string is at the top, and the, the low E is at the bottom. Right, so it's okay. completely flipped, flipped around. It, yeah, and that's the way he's learned how to play guitar. That's so and strange. I think, and I think that's kind of what makes his songwriting because I think he's behind the majority of it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what makes this so interesting. Yeah, like, it's just 
the way you'll be able to pick out new chords and new scales and stuff like that to make it sound so like like ridiculous basically yeah, yeah, yeah. is kind of their edge and like again going back to the whole cliche deathcore conversation but like back in the days of Hydra Head Records yeah, 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 yeah imagine what they'd make of this band if they were still around yeah I get how what you mean how can they get picked up yeah like that's the thing like as I said, I was never, like, the biggest fan. And I'm going to be completely honest, I'm still not, like, Mr. Humanity's Last Breath sort of thing. Like, I think they're fucking brilliant at what they do, but it's just not my lane. Yeah. But, yeah, there is there is something that kind of holds their head above the parapet from everyone else in that yeah. genre. And I think, like, you use the word thick and dense for this record, and that's exactly what makes it different, because it's not just all, like... <laughs> and all that it's there's like there's a sophistication to it and like you're saying like the whole thing with Hydra Head like if you were to show like someone who had got into Humanity's Last Breath off this record if you was be like give them a, a blank record that was coalesce and be like yeah, 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 they'd be into it yeah exactly yeah, like if, if Aaron Turner sort of walked into a room when they were playing, he'd, de- he'd be stroking his chin. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because it, it reminds me of, there's, there's a band, the only kind of Hydra Headish band I could probably compare this to was a band called K-Nut. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, do, yeah, do yeah. Do you remember yeah, those yeah. guys? Like it's, it was, it, I think the first single I heard by them reminded me of that. Yeah. That's why I bring up Hydra Head. But, yeah, but it's just an absolutely hammering record. This. Yeah. It's just so, so good. And um, I think that might not really even a complaint, but it, it, it can be it can drag a little bit. I think it's just yeah. shy of an hour. I think that's the thing that kind of lost me is the the length of it. But there's there's a kind of there's kind of a narrative to it because it sort of builds up towards a sort of shift in sound towards the end. Like the last track is a bit more of a impending doomish yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And I think they get there quite naturally and quite cleverly. So that's where the length kind of works in its favour. Mm. Um, and obviously, I think getting to witness a live show would be, I think, just seal the deal entirely. Yeah. Because, like, I can't, I can imagine, like, based on the production of this record, which I think, again, is down to the, the same bloke. Yeah, yeah. It just sounds so, like, in a room, it would just sound so fucking big mm. and massive. I can't wait for that. And thanks to yourself. Yeah. You've uh, secured tickets for that, so yeah. <laughs> that, that'll be something to look forward to next year. It's And it's kind of weird, like, because in the sort of run-up to doing this, and as I say, sort of compiling my playlist for 2021, I've gotten back to, like, some of the records that, like, when they came out, I listened to, like, a lot, but haven't really kind of listened to since. And this is one of them, and I actually literally listened to it, like, two days ago when I was out walking Buddy. Um Real dog walking. Real dog walking music. <laughs> but it's it is one of those records that I was like, oh no, I forgot how much like I enjoyed this when it first came out. And as I say, like it's not something that I would necessarily reach to all the time, but in that world, like they definitely do something that definitely pricks your ears up. And yeah. like as I say, it's not just all one note, all one level, which yeah, yeah. I think a lot of bands can in this genre can get lost in yeah and 
I think it's interesting you say like there's kind of like that narrative to the record and it'd be interested to see what they do next to sort of if they carry that on or if they kind of go back to square one yeah. and start again it'd be interesting to see where they kind of fill think, all that in I think one thing that they have under their belt that really stands them out is how they know how to work with space mm. in a song yeah if that makes sense like it's not say they've got a three minute track it's not three minutes of compact noise blistering yeah stuff like they, they've really thought about what goes where mm. well like the song earthless which is one of the, is it earthless earth mm. something yeah um it's kind of like a it, it's a good um mood set for the record mm. because it kind of gives you the idea of what you're in for and it is kind of largely mostly the same on the record but like we say it's it's not it's very kind of drawn out in parts and i guess that's kind of what works in its favor that's yeah yeah, what yeah. Kind of stands about. so yeah that's my number 10 cool so my number 10 is probably was also one of my most anticipated records for this year uh fragments of a bit of memory by dying wish who i think have completely nailed the old school metalcore sound that got me into like the more hardcore leaning side of metal um i've been a big sort of uh fan of, of dying wish since i first sort of discovered them so i actually discovered them they're a band i discovered through hate five six because they recorded a set they did like years ago so off that kind of went and found their demo they did a split with a, a band called serration which i loved like all their tracks on and then they kind of like quote unquote claim to fame was their vocalist Emma Boaster did a guest spot on um the Not Loose record in twenty nineteen. Oh yeah, yeah. Um Serpents something. I forget the name of the track. Right. But like when she comes in, like because obviously I was already aware of her, I was like, oh fuck, that's sick. But then like everyone was like, who is this? Let's like all jump yeah, on yeah, the, yeah. the Dying Wish bandwagon and i think like rightly so that this record has kind of like definitely shown what they can do and it's like it's really weird because it's like really sort of it's very stereotypical metalcore but there's like a hookiness to it as well mm. so it's not all just like chug chug beat down mosh part and all this yeah there's yeah, like yeah. hooks in the riffs and like the way they've kind of structured the songs are like really clever. Like they'll do like I think the first song on on the record literally just comes straight in with with Emma like screaming and then it's just like frantic from from there on in. But then two tracks later they've got a bit that's got clean clean vocals in it and it doesn't feel out of place. It just yeah, yeah. feels like they've gone like, right, we want to introduce this element, how do we do it and how do we make it not weird? Yeah. Um, I think her lyricism is spot on. Like, there's a bit in which was kind of like one of the single tracks in A Thirst, where it comes down to like the breakdown, and she just screams, "I sealed your message with my blood and a bullet." And it's just like she does it, yeah, but nice. it builds up because it's like she's the first time she says it, it's like almost spoken word. Second time it's a bit a little bit louder, and then the last time it's like, oh, "I sealed my message," and it's just like that last like scream of bullet and then you're like right okay this is where everyone's gonna 
destroy and disrespect their surroundings and that's definitely like a myspace bullet in but that's but that's the thing like it's it is that sort of cliche yeah but like what that would sound like in 2021 and they've like for me they've hit the nail on the head and the record just goes hard as hell awesome um no i've got to be honest i didn't get around to checking this out but is it like a when you say like old school metalcore is it in a more like um Sky came falling kind of way, or is it more like uh, as I lay dying? No, like a sky come falling. Sort of. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Like there's, there's kind of because there's like it's a more of like because obviously the birth of metalcore is metal and hardcore smash it together. Yeah, yeah. It's it has more of a hardcore leaning to it, um, but there's obviously like definite like metal tropes to it because like. I think the other band members were very much into sort of, so like that like that MySpace era sort of yeah yeah kind of like I guess sort of some of the, like the early Trust Kill stuff. Oh nice okay. So yeah, it's definitely got that like poison kind of, the well kind of stuff. Yeah, not as kind of like mathy as that, but yeah. def- definitely that sort of feeling and and vibe cool, to I'll it. Check that out. But yeah, and I think like as I say, it's. I think because what Emma's talking about and singing about is quite like personable and like some of it is about like trauma and things like that. And I th- like for me being someone that is always drawn to vocals and lyrics, if that was a dude singing it, I, I would probably turn this off. Okay. But because it's like her voice is really sort of ferocious and cuts through it makes a huge difference um, because I think it would, like, if it was a dude, it would just be another metalcore band. But the way that, she, like, another, I think it goes back to, like, the cleverness of how they've put it together because she, she doesn't sort of outstay her welcome in the bits where she is singing and there's bits where she's like, bang, 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 and then kind of lets the riff play out. Okay. So, yeah, I think... It just adds like another layer to it. Cool, man. Cool. So that is my number 10, Dying Wish, a fragment of a bit of memory. Um, should we go your number nine? If you want. Yeah. Your podcast. <laughs> <Do what> you <laughs> <like>. <laughs> uh, my number nine is Sometimes I Might Be Introvert by Little Sims. So absolutely love the debut. I mean, it was it came out, I don't know, I think it was like two years ago now. But it was proper introduction to her. She was like, I'm coming out swinging, full mm. of fire, full of rage, full of angst. And it like the production was fantastic. It was basically everything I wanted in a hip-hop record. So yeah. easily I, I was sealed in my interest then. <clears throat> so then a couple of, about a year or so passes, and then she starts slowly dripping out these new singles. And I was really shocked at how, how she went about the production because it was completely different to the debut. It was very sort of grand, like very cinematic and just in a really interesting way of putting out a new hip hop music. And I was like automatically invested. And it was like, obviously, this is going to be one of my more anticipated mm. records this year. So when it finally dropped and I got my press play on the first track and it was it was basically more of the same, which is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. It's just really cleverly structured songs. And like one thing that 
I always loved about Little Sims is just like just her lyrical dexterity. Mm. Like literally, some of these tracks are her just like spitting, 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 and it's like they will fade out, and it's almost like she's still going. Yeah. So yeah. if they if, if if the studio have got a budget, I've got a picture of like them behind the scenes being like. Look, you're done. You're done. The track's done. You can stop now. Like she's, she could easily just carry on and on and on. But um, just like the title, what sometimes I might be introvert is kind of the theme of the record. Yeah, yeah. And what I feel is so interesting is the like the that between that thing and like the juxtaposition of the production, which is like really, like I said before, grand and and almost cinematic. Is like she's talking about like how she lacks confidence and things like that. And like I said, while, while the music is quite out front and, and, and massive, mm. I thought it was a really interesting way to work about a, like a, a record like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not missing out. It's um, what little Sims is generally about just kind of more soul R and B kind mm. of way. Cause there is very much that in here, but um it's just it's just very cleverly structured from start to finish, and there's also the, like these kind of interludes. This kind of narrative is what I, I guess I kind of worked out to be is like therapy sessions almost. What as in like each track is kind of yeah. So yeah, like in, yeah, yeah. interludes, not each track. But oh like right, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. interludes. But I think it's her playing both roles. Yeah. So she's sort of talking to therapist, saying, "Oh, I need to be more of this or more of that." But in the background is kind of scored by like almost Disney orchestral right, yeah, sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like it's again so fucking clever and original. Yeah. Um, but she's I, I found she's gone from like being from the first record just like Little Sims like this little kind of like I said like out there angsty kind of mm. hip hop artist to almost just like a British staple of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you could easily see this being lined up for. Uh, like Mercury, mm. Mojo prizes and stuff. I don't even know if that stuff's even come around. Was that stuff? Was that start of the year? I think that I sort of stuff comes around, isn't it? I can't remember to be totally honest. But if I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if this doesn't land on those. Yeah, yeah. In the top, in the top tier sections. So yeah, uh, it's it's a real real stay of this record. Like, yeah. I, I, I listened to it constantly, almost too much. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to back off a little bit. But yeah, I was I was. I wasn't surprised at all by how good this was. Yeah. I've got to say, because you're more, out of the two of us, you're more of the, the hip-hop head than I. Like, I I do like my hip-hop, but you're the one that seems to find all these different artists more than I am. I do. But I was, I come, it was a friend of mine put something on, I think, Twitter and was like, What's, what have been the best um, hip-hop records of 2021? And so many people said this record. Yeah. So I checked it out, and this is my first exposure to them. So like, really? I I never listened to them before, and yeah, I really really enjoyed this record. Like, I probably haven't listened to it half as much as you. Have. <laughs> but yeah, I like. I think it's it's a really interesting take on, like especially British hip hop, mm. um, because I think a lot of people would. J- just assume it would go down the sort of like rhymes style route. Yeah. Which it does in places, but like they've obviously got their head on right and they know what they want to do. So yeah, 
I definitely need to give it a bit more time. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think if you really gave it, like, like really got into what what she's talking about, and like, like I said, like the narrative, I think you get a whole other perspective. On yeah. It. Cool. So that's your number nine. My number nine was a record I was not even expecting because I thought this band had decided to stop making music. Uh, but it's Cowboy Music by Cersei, who are they were like so. They were, they've kind of always been around like the whole sort of emo violence, screamo sort of echelon. And like they've... I know who you're talking about. Sorry, it took me so long to realise who you're talking yeah. about. Um, but they they did like a few EPs. They did, uh, I think, two full lengths or one full length. And then they did a discography and they just kind of went quiet. Yeah, and yeah. like... I don't think they like announced that they split up. I think because they did the discography, like most people, myself included, had made that assumption that they had. Yeah, that was ages ago, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this artwork of a, to stick to their, their, their kind of aesthetic of like a bright pink cow person right. appeared and it was like, Here's cowboy music. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? And like, because, as I say, they where they've kind of always been around that sort of emo violence sort of scene, I was expecting it to be much the same. But they kind of have taken a bit of a, a left turn and gone a lot more punk. And it's like, it works brilliantly like their vocalist um has got gone a lot more kind of melodic in her style of vocals it's like they're still screaming in there but it's like there's more definition to it and like you can clearly hear some of the things they're talking about there's a lot of kind of similar to what i was saying with diane west there's sort of talk of like pain and struggle and and they're kind of feeling of, of fitting in and like I'm making assumptions off this of like my interpretation of it but it's kind of like that kind of not fitting in with the music scene because they're not a white male and or like them not being good enough to be in a band and, and things like that yeah. as, a, as well as like a plethora of other things but the way that it kind of kicks straight in is like the, the the first track is called Back from the Dead and it's literally like, oh, like... Here we are. Here we are. And it's, it, as I say, there's still, like, that crunch that they were, like, known for of their earlier stuff. Like, there'll be, like, a riff and then all of a sudden it'll slow down and then it'll be blast beats and stuff like that. But, like, they've kind of gone, as I say, that kind of, like... Not that the like the punk sounds become cool again, but like that's almost like post hardcore punk sound. Yeah, and it just seems to fit what they wanted to do on this record like really well. Um, from kind of like reading up a bit more about it, which I didn't realize. So they're because they're based they're Boston based band. Yeah. Um, but their bassist is Kurt Blues number two. Oh really? So he basically recorded everything in God City. Nice. And you can definitely hear that in like the production of it because like 
the it's just as I say, it just feels so like clean and polished, but like not to detract away from like the hardcore element of it, like what you'd expect of a God City recording. Um, And yeah, I don't like, there's just with like the, like the vocals, like even as I say, because there's, they're talking about quite hard stuff, but the way like she uses like her intonation and things like that, there's almost like a sweetness to it, which like, if I compare it to like Dying Wish, where it's all like, like, sort of visceral and ferocious, it's almost like she's kind of like, whoever the listen listener is, she's kind of like playing with you and teasing you and kind of it's almost like, oh look how cute and sweet I am, but actually fuck you sort of thing. It's like, <laughs> it's it's really like well done. Um, Sounds and, like my dog. Yeah. <laughs> and. Like the best thing, like one of the best things I can say about this, and this isn't a disrespect for to gouge away, but this is what I wanted Burnt Sugar from Gouge Away to sound like. And I think they, because this came out of absolutely nowhere, it's completely blown that out of the water for me. And it's just such a shame that I don't think this will get the recognition of a band like yeah. Gouge Away. Just because, like, and I'm not saying they've got like clout or anything, but because they have the Deathwish label behind them and that got yeah. them a lot of attraction. This, I think, because it's, I think it's self-released. I don't think anyone's kind of picked it up. Like, I think it will go under a lot of people's radar. When honestly, like, some of the like just the lyrics in it are just so clever, and like they make you kind of go back and be like, wait a minute, what did she just say? And it's just, yeah, it's definitely worth the time of day. It completely, as they took me by surprise. And I'm so glad it did because when it came out, I was like, oh shit, new Cersei, this is going to be amazing. I was like, oh, this is different, but it's fucking amazing. And was just, I think I listened to it on a loop for about a week when it first came out and has... As all like so, I forgot to say off the top. Like the way I kind of do my list is off ones that records that I keep going back to, and this is one that, like, I wouldn't forget about it. But then I'd just all of a sudden be like, "Oh yeah, that came out this year," and listen to it, and then I'll be like, "This is so fucking good." And that's it was I was constantly surprised by it, which I think is why it's kind of made its way into into this list. Nice, cool. You just said a whole lot of stuff I had no idea about. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to see they're back, and I'm and I didn't know that they're uh, the basis is at God City. So that, yeah. that intrigues me. Yeah, so awesome. definitely worth checking out. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead with my number eight, if that's cool. No, no, well, too, too fucking bad. <laughs> um, because on the complete flip of a band that I wasn't expecting a record from, and a band that I think is underappreciated to a band that I think everyone was looking forward to their record and everybody fucking loves, and rightly so, but it's radical for every time I die. Nice. Um, I will hands up and say I fucking love every time I die, but I'm not a super fan like a lot of people are. Like, There's fans of this band that will fucking yeah. die on a cross for them. And It's and weird. Shit. Like, I think, like, like yourself, I've been 
with them from probably day one. Yeah. But like I could nowhere near call myself as like a big time fan of theirs. Exactly. And that's the thing. I think yeah. like I remember when we were younger watching the video for like Romeo Gogo and being like, This is insane. These guys look like so much fun. And I've listened to every single album since and every single album I've been like, Yeah, this is really cool. And then kind of like be like, Oh yes, every time I die and just kind of let them do their thing, everyone loves them, and so on and so forth. But for some reason, I could not turn this record off. It was just from that moment, like literally yeah. from the first moment you press play and you hear Keith Buckley, I can't, I've written the, the line down. It's like, say, spare the only the ones I, I love, slay the rest. That's it's yeah, the such first a Keith lyric. fucking yeah. lyric, and then just kicks in. It's just like, oh, okay, we're at 100, like, from the moment this record starts. There's the classic, like, every time I die, like, twin, like, pinches that sounds a little bit like Southern rock. Like, Keith's lyricism is on another level on this record. But the reason this stands out to me more than, like, other ones, it might just be because it's been a while since I've been fully invested in an Every Time I Die record. But, like, they've almost kind of decided to step out of their formula because they know, like, they know how to write an Every, Die, Every Time I Die record. And they know, like, what fan They play... I think they play a lot of lip service to fans. Whereas with this, I think because behind the scenes, and we've kind of seen it a bit more publicly recently of stuff that's been going on, if people... Have been following their their social medias, but we I think this is the first time they've openly kind of stepped into that sort of. This is what goes on behind the partying that you may not necessarily see, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. Keith especially has kind of opened up about like his struggles with mental health, his struggles with like substance abuse, his like marital issues, and so on and so forth, and like I think that's added. One, an element of rawness to Every Time I Die's record, but also an element of vulnerability. And, like, there's songs on here where, like, they slow shit, like, right down. They, like, they'll go from, like, being at a million miles an hour to literally just, like, now I'm going to tell you a story sort of thing. And, like, who better to tell a story than Keith Buckley? Hmm. I think I was a little apprehensive because I thought... The singles they released off it, I thought they've kind of shot their load too early. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, is it post boredom? Is like banger. absolute banger, and like the the like main riff on that. Like you, like I don't play guitar for shit, but like it's, it's simple but effective. Yeah, and like every time I hear it, I yeah. will be like, I will yeah, add yeah. guitar to it just because I can't play guitar. But it's just like it's just so good, and like. My only criticism, kind of like what you were saying with Humanity's Last Breath, is it's a little long, mm. and I think it does waver a little bit towards the end. But, like, this is basically, in my opinion, every time I die, is sort of statement of being like, hey, we're still around and we still fucking rip. Yeah. Um, and we're going to continue to do this for years to come. So, yeah. fuck, like, trying to be us, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I fucking really, really liked this record. I'm glad you bring this up. Uh, like, yeah, it, 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 
didn't make my top ten, but it it was one that I played a lot because, like you said, it's just it's it's every time I die doing what they do best, and like I don't remember them ever really putting out. It's like converge effect, isn't it? Mm. Like that, I don't remember them putting out a bad record, and yeah, this one's just full of everything they do best. Yeah, but the, one thing I I did kind of pick up on was like they've got the guest spot by uh, Andy Andy Hull. From oh, Manchester from Orchestra. yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but as soon as Andy comes on as a guest track, it's automatically in a Manchester Orchestra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. On this, it's on the Touche Amore record. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the other one now, but it's just it's the Andy Hull effect. It's yeah, just, yeah. If you're going to get him on your record, it's going to be a Manchester Orchestra song, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. But yeah, I just, considering like what we were saying at the top of this, like the volume of music that came out this year, and how much like I like to seek out new music and consume music, I think that also speaks volumes of how good this record is. That, like as I say, I'm not like an every time I die stan. I'm not. I'm not someone that could recite every single lyric of every single song that they've ever recorded. Yeah, yeah. But there's just something about this that was like, if I was struggling to think of something to to listen to, I'd be like. Oh yeah, that every time I die a record is yeah, fucking yeah. sick. So just yeah. whack that on. Yeah, it's really good music to cook to, <laughs> and so yeah, this is my my number eight. Awesome. So what is yours? My number eight is by a well, it's a solo group really, or solo artist, but it goes under the name Left in Between. Okay. Left in Between is Henning Renouf from Sulunun. Oh, sick! Singer guitarist of Sulunun. So. Basically, he's from what I understand, he's kind of always been consistent, even when Sula Loon isn't. Mm. So Sula Loon are like you know phenomenal Belgian screamo band who like me and you've been Swedish, Belgian. Oh, I thought it was Swedish. yeah, yeah, Belgian. Uh, who we've both been paying attention to since practically day one. Yeah, um, they haven't been over here a whole lot. I think they supported maybe. I think once, it's on. But, why? Twice, yes, we yeah. did. We did see them twice, yeah. Um, but I've always been a massive fan of like their style and how they approach, like, well, how, how he approaches guitar playing in general. Mm. Like, it's a screamo band, but it's it's he's he's very clever in his songwriting. Yeah, like, yeah. So he's he's got that band, and he's got another band which go under the name Sore Eyelids, which is basically a more sort of richer heavier shoegazy kind yeah of yeah thing. which is again you you'd know it was him if you listen to the record like yeah the guitars are very similar um and then he's stripped everything back and he went completely solo and that's what this is and what this is is basically it's kind of like a love letter to the midwest emo kind of stuff yeah. like your american football and things like that so it's not entirely like anything groundbreaking or anything like that but it's just it's what the way he does it it's just so like rich and lush mm. and like so accessible that you can just it's so easy to come back to like uh, again it's the, the dog walking record, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, like I, I could walk around for ages and realize that this hasn't played over and over again yeah, yeah. Times because the the ideas on the songs are, are so like not not one bit is the same and you can 
easily d- dismiss this as being like, hang on, I just heard this before. Like, that, yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. happen with this. Like, it's just, it's so, so him, like, and so his songwriting, so his songwriting, sorry. Um, but like, from what Sula Loon is, which is basically really abrasive screamo music, mm. to what this is, which is like very sort of chilled out, almost like hooky and catchy, mm. almost. But where it's just him, like he wrote the guitars, bass, drums, everything, you can hear how he's like, taking control of everything. Right, okay. And it's, it's quite inspiring, really, because that's, like, I've always kind of had the idea of like writing my own thing yeah. from front to back. And like I'd be double chuffed if I came up with anything as close as this. It's mm. just like have something to call his own, mm. which is that's just works so nicely for him. And like going back into other stuff he's done, he's he's actually done like death metal and black metal projects. Oh as wow! Well. Yeah, I haven't actually given it, given them a chance, but I mean you can imagine they're going to be at least be half season. Yeah. yeah, but um, I guess in a way like this is me mentioning this is kind of like my my shout out to Sula Loon in general and how much I love that band mm. and like how much I wish they continued to make music. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think they've done anything for a little while. So yeah, they're he, just kind of laying dormant, aren't they? Yeah, and he, he, he kind of just dropped this out of the blue, which was really nice. So it's just like, oh shit, this is, this is definitely Henning's work. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it's funny, it's one of those things where you don't realise how much you miss it until you yeah, hear it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, dug the shit out of this. Big time. I think I think I listened to it when it maybe I came think out. I, sent, I think I sent it. Yeah, but I I've just completely forgotten about it to be honest. And like, you can I don't know. Like, there are elements within Sulaloon that you can kind of see how he's got and here because like, Definitely. there's there are parts of Sulaloon's music that are a bit more like melodic back, and yeah. yeah. So that it's not like he's made a giant leap sort of thing um but yeah i definitely need to kind of go back and and re-listen to re-listen to this yeah cool um we'll go we'll stick with you with number seven okay my number seven is another belgian act for me uh-huh. aman ra with dear dawn ah yes so this one's kind of a weird one to talk about in like any sort of excitable way, <laughs> as you probably yeah, realise, because yeah. it's so fucking bleak and dark and miserable. Yeah. And like the thing is, that is Omen Ra. That is what they are. Mm. And if you want to go into a new record of theirs, that is what you're going to. Yeah, do. yeah. But I think that what sets this one apart from previous is that I think the others up until now have been past part of this mass. Yeah, like collective. So we, I think we got up to mass four. Is it three, four? Five, yeah, yeah. Is it five? five? Might be five. Anyway, you carry on talking. I'm gonna look. He's gonna look it up. So this one is the only one outside those records. So it's, it's a different title, and it's just it's such a journey. Like it's from start to finish. It's it six. Is, is it mass six? It got up to yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this 2017 one, was mass six. Yeah. So, like I said, this is the, uh, the first one outside of that, and it's it is it's still what they're about, but it's you can tell there's a new narrative to it almost. Mm. Like it's it's so brooding and like heavy. It's still dark and heavy and aggressive as they always been, but there's there's something more to this. Like, mm. There's more heart and there's more passion, and it's all it's layered in with all these almost cinematic 
like soundscapes. To, yeah, yeah. Which I think is like a really sort of nice sort of addition to what their sound like it's been missing almost. Mm. Like they like you could tell that up until now they've been trying to build narratives throughout their records. Yeah. And so yeah. like this one's got a lot a lot of spoken word in it as well. So there's obviously if I knew what the fuck they were talking about, <laughs> it would be a bit more helpful to know about. But the thing is like you just hearing Colin's screeching, pain vocals yeah. is enough. Like it's just he's just so passionate and like it's so full of fire but it what i found also interesting was the addition of uh ria from oathbreaker mm. i don't know if she's part of the group now or like because she, she appears on at least three of these tracks yeah um so i'd like to think she is part of the band but it's just it just she just seems to lift everything in this record and like from like her brutal screams to like the harmonies on his singing parts and stuff it's just such a nice little nice little touch yeah um but weirdly one one part of this record that really reminded me of is uh insomniac those by envy yeah it was just after like envy kind of stopped being a bit more scatty and yeah yeah and wild and thought it was sort of Started going on the post rock. Yeah, sort of dialed things yeah. back. Like there's there's the same sort of sort of heartfelt energy to that yeah. to this. And uh, I yeah, that's the, I guess that's kind of like where it clicks for me. I was like, have they they've been listening to some memory. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's again it's one of those records, it's just you can't really revisit it too often because it is really fucking dark. Mm. But they're not Amon Ra. They're not just a band. They're like an entity. They're, they're, yeah, they're yeah. a whole thing. Like, if anyone's seen them live, you, you know their live shows. Like, it's, it can get fucking out of hand pretty quickly. Yeah, like, from the guy stringing himself up on hooks on his back and stuff like that. It's just wild. But um, I don't know. Have you got your Oxhangen ticket for next year yet? I haven't yet, but I'm there with fucking bells on. Yeah, I cannot yeah. wait to hear these songs live. Yeah, I'm doing my snob thing of waiting to see if I can get press or not. <laughs> yeah, no. um, but yeah, I can, like this album is fucking brilliant. Like I think this is not going to be a humble brag, but it is a humble brag. Like I was lucky enough to interview Colin for one That's of right, the publications I, I do some stuff for. And like you saying about that kind of almost like cinematic sort of element to it, that's exactly what they were going for because obviously like pre-COVID they were doing like these big, they were kind of like, they called them rituals, but they were essentially like little independent festivals where they would like play in the woods or they would yeah. play outside a church and things like that. And then during lockdown they did two like live streams, one on, one of which was on top of a fucking mountain and they were playing in a circle of flames and then the other one I think was in a church yeah um and Colin said he wanted to kind of capture that sort of element of like being in nature but bring it into the record and that's kind of I think that's sort of spot on of, of like that sort of cinematic feel yeah and obviously like this is the first record where everything is in in Flemish so like yeah, as you say, you can't understand a fucking word, but like you can feel the the elements of trauma and stuff that he's addressing and yeah. and things like that. 
And that for me, like an added little fun element is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Use, Holy shit, I forgot about this. Uses yeah. one of the tracks as, as their entrance music. I remember which... when you sent me this. I I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to feel about it. What, what, what was who's the wrestler again? Malachi Black. He's oh, he's known as Tommy End. Okay, but um, because I had a feeling it was going to be what's that really fucking wild one? Um, the guy, the guy that I like. Um, He's always like really creepy and fucking weird. Oh, Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was going to be him. No, but it's no. not him. Um, but the thing that I wanted to preach on, because like this is going to make me sound like I'm bagging on someone, but I think they deserve it. Another podcast that I listen to, well, I don't listen to regularly, but their, mu- like, their job is their music critics, their music journalists. And they said that this this album was one of their biggest disappointments of this year. And as soon as they said that, I was like, your opinion is dead to me because you're <laughs> fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> so, wow. I mean, this <laughs> album is incredible. How the fuck can you say it's a disappointment? Um, Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I know, but when you're wrong, you're wrong, aren't you? <laughs> also, I just quickly looked up that this is... This is um on Relapse Records, so I didn't know... So this yeah, their first release on yeah. Relapse. Yeah. So, because everything else was on Neurot, wasn't it? Mm. And I was just... All I was going to add was, like, the, these guys are the new Neurosis. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, they're everything I love about Neurosis, it? like, in a more sort of 2021 way. Yeah. I don't, if, if that makes sense, I don't think it does, <laughs> but... Yeah, it's like... I remember falling in love with Times of Grace by Neurosis, and, like, this record is essentially that same experience yeah yeah so going from a very bleak <laughs> number seven to my number seven which it has its elements of of depression and stuff in it but is packaged a lot more upbeat uh this place you know by one step closer because this band is everything i love about melodic hardcore they're like the new wave of melodic hardcore that is just what I wanted in hardcore, like I grew up, like that was the style of hardcore that I got into growing up and that I gravitated towards. It helps that they're all straight edge. So that's another tick in the box for me. But like, I was so looking forward to this record and it didn't disappoint at all. Like their, their EP um, from me to you, I fucking loved and was when it came out was on heavy rotation for a very, very long time. And I just wanted more and more from this band. Um, but when this kind of came, I wasn't, I was expecting more of the same of, from me to you. And this does have elements of it, but they've clearly grown as a band since that, that EP. And they've clearly had stuff go on in their personal lives and, their music chases changed as everyone does as they grow up and they've kind of gone right okay we love hardcore but we also like this kind of indie punk kind of things and we also like a bit of like almost kind of Britpop and they've kind of decided rather than just sticking to that lane of hardcore they've pulled in all these different elements and like there's you've still got like your gang vocal bits you've still got your two-step bits but you've also got the bits where they like strip it right back and it's almost like a sing-along and like there's like heartfelt bits and 
like I think you, when it came out, I think you messaged me. It was like, <laughs> yeah. they're the new turnover. And I was like, do you mean turning point? And no, I, was, I mean, I said, I said, what, they're one step away from their next record being sounding purely like turnover. Yeah. But <laughs> I think that's the thing. They found, because my as I said, my response is like, do you mean turning point? Yeah. Because they like they themselves have said said like turning point is their yeah, yeah, like yeah. god tier, but this record I think toes that line of being between those two bands perfectly, and like this like it's just like a really lush sounding record yeah, as well. Yeah, I agree. Like the guitar tone is just mm. like chef's yeah. kiss. Yeah, this this <laughs> won me over on them. I yeah, really enjoyed this. And like to go. Like back to saying, like their vocalist, they, he talks about. I think there's like songs about their like about sort of like going through depression, going through like anxiety, going through like breakups. But the way it's presented is it's like upbeat and fun, and yeah. like it does have its somber moments. But as far as like a hardcore record goes, like this isn't like hardcore in the sense of let's beat the shit out of each other. This is like that hardcore that I fell in love with of like, let's create a community, let's build each other up. And like, that's, it makes that like that package in a record, which I think has been really hard to do for bands since the likes of kind of like Mon Life is Wars, like, like Witness and, and like, the things we carry with have heart and yeah. like give blood with bane and like i don't think we've seen a band in hardcore sort of like say okay we've written this record but it's for you and i think that's what one step closer have done yeah, yeah, yeah. um i thought the fact this is out through run for cover has done them yeah, a world of good as well absolutely. um but they've also like it's weird they because they're a young band as well I think they've also captured that element of their youth because like they've been really clever about how they've presented this record and how they've presented themselves as well. Like that, even though they're a straight edge bands, like they're not, it's, I think in the first EP and because it was like with triple B, I think they kind of felt like they needed to be the new straight edge hardcore band. Whereas with this record, they've just come yeah we're a straight edge band but we're a bunch of skate kids really and they've they're starting to wear that side of things on their sleeve mm. a lot more and i think that's bringing a lot more people on side as well and yeah i just think this is kind of gonna shoot them to the moon yeah just die half heart mate i don't know what <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'm, I'm I think that's harsh. I'm yeah. joking. Oh, I did actually really enjoy this record, but despite like having that opinion of them before, but yeah, this one's this one's a fucking game changer for them. Yeah. Um. Also, is us because I was watching a couple of videos. You know that band Anxious. Yes. So that they've been drip feeding us stuff recently, and so I'm, it's members of One Step Closer. So it is. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all I was going to ask. Yeah. So One Step Closer is basically Ryan, the vocalist's baby. Yeah. Um, and then Anxious is the guitarist of One Step Closer, I think. And the yeah. I think it's the guitarist and the drummer, maybe. Yeah. That's kind of their baby. And so I think from memory, I could be completely wrong on this, but I think they've got, like, the I think it's one of the dudes from Magnitude yeah. and someone else is basically, like, back up for One Step Closer because... 
essentially when that anxious record comes out, anxious are gonna fucking it's stratospheric. Yeah. yeah. So they're fully aware that that's gonna kind of happen. Awesome. Which is, I think, like, which is really cool in a way because they're not like, oh, you can't, can't be in this yeah, band yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, which is, I think, it's really cool. Cool. Awesome. And I'm gonna stick with me with my number six because I've just realised as I'm going through this list, there seems to be a theme of like people singing about their past traumas <laughs> and shit. Um, but this is an artist I'd literally never heard of until this year. But apparently they've got an extensive back catalogue, which I then went and found. Um, but the record is called Graceful Rage, and it's by the band Harmony Woods. You ever heard of them? No. Right, so I hadn't either. Um, I discovered them when I was still doing night shifts, and I could listen to music all night long. And one of the things that I would regularly check for sort of recommendations was the Deathwish Staff Picks playlist. Yeah. Um, was listening to it, and one of the tracks of this record came on. And so there, it is a band, but the predominant songwriter is the vocalist um, Sophia Verbilia. I think I probably butchered her surname. Um, but... She's very much in the kind of mould of sort of kind of like Luke, Lucy Dacus, oh, okay. like Bully, that kind of mould, but a bit yeah. more on the indie sort of side of things. Um, but this record, is, it is quite bleak because it's very much like addressing sort of sort of misogynistic abuse not always necessarily directed at her but just as a general theme yeah. and like in every song it's just like her vo her voice is just beautiful but it's really powerful and it's just like heart-wrenching like listening to her but you can't not listen to it because it's so like it's it's just really ethereal and really like nice to listen to and it's, I think, I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was like in a, in a Pitchfork review or something. But they basically said it's like somewhere between Tiger's Jaw and Laura Stevenson. Excellent. Which is like they've nail on the head because like, mute, like where the, the difference, so I went back and kind of listened to her previous stuff and it, it's a lot more on that Tiger's Jaw sort of line of things. Whereas this record is a lot kind of more simplistic and stripped back, there's a lot more kind of acoustic guitars. Um, there's still like full band in there. Oh, squeaky. Um, but That's like, a dog, by the way. <laughs> but the use of it is kind of minimal. But when it is used, it's, it's used to kind of elevate. And um, there's a song on there called Easy, which like directly talks about sort of like. The chorus basically says, "If you like ever lay a hand on another woman, like it." But the context it sounds like is talking about like a friend, so basically like losing respect for a friend because they've obviously been abusive towards a, like a woman, and like the core like the chorus is hooky as fuck. But it's like the line is essentially like, "If you ever lay a finger on a woman again, you're dead to me." Um, 
but like the way that the song is built up it's really kind of slow and somber but by the time it gets to that last chorus it kind of builds to like a big like crescendo and like that's kind of like the theme throughout and I don't, yeah I don't know there's just something about her voice just makes it like punched through and as I say even though it's like it's a, not an easy listen because like some of it is very difficult but like I found it being an album that I went back to when I just wanted to chill out because if you take away like the lyrics of it the music is really nice and calm and beautiful yeah. and just the tone of her voice is just really like relaxing but then you switch on and you'd be like oh fuck this is what women have to go through on a regular um but yeah, like literally I had no, this was kind of like what I was like when I discovered Orville Peck because I had no idea who Orville Peck was. I listened to a couple of songs, I fell in love with them mm-hmm. and then I wanted to know everything about Orville Peck and that's what I did with Harmony Woods is like I never heard this record yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I then was just so engrossed. I read interviews, like she did a couple of like... um like Instagram live, like live streams. And I, I wasn't particularly a fan of those, but because it was her, I was like, I just, I need to hear that voice. I want to be like yeah. enveloped by it. And like from reading things like this has kind of come as a bit of a surprise. Like nobody was expecting this record. Nobody was expecting the content of the record as well, because as I say, going back and listening to the band's other stuff, it is a bit more of that kind of like indie sweet sort of punk that bands like Tiger's Jaw and etc. do. My, my brain has gone blank of other bands in the yeah, yeah, yeah. right now. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of like literally just got hooked into this and for a good month, this was just all I cared about. Yeah. Um, even to the point, like, I DM'd her and was like, is this coming out on record? I need to get it in the UK. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I like, I literally couldn't leave this off my list because it, I just keep kept going back to it. I will show anyone at any opportunity it, and I just fucking love it. Awesome, yeah. I love when you make discoveries like that. Yeah. Like, you, something when you get, like, so excited about, you just want to delve into everything they're about and things like that yeah it's always nice to see that yeah but fucking hell we were a punch, bunch of miserable cunts we? <laughs> fucking hell I mean I think mine's ain't gonna my next one ain't gonna be too dissimilar so. right go on then let's go your number <laughs> well, six well I, I say it's, it's, it kind of it does fit in along that category a little bit but it's my number six is um, a record called Black to the Future by Sons of Kimmet I'd never heard of this until quite recently but oh okay yeah so they're a jazz collective from the UK uh, their debut came out uh, 2018 called uh, Your Queen is a Reptile um, and it got a lot of critical acclaim uh, and it sounded right up my alley so I, I was straight into it but it didn't quite seem to hit me as it hit all the sort of the, uh, the musical publications that were mm. claiming how great it was but um, it won me over enough to sort of stay invested in them and be excited for whatever they did next Um so when they dropped this one, I was ready for it, and it it did blow me away. Yeah. Honestly, like the the full record is just such a such a monolith of 
what they're about. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, it was just what I needed right there and then. But like, for some reason, I kind of, I didn't step away from it, but I just kind of like, I had my fill of it. And then when it came back to later in the year, when people started like reflecting on what they really liked, I mean, this couldn't not be here. Yeah, yeah. So when, when I think I think it was last year when I mentioned the Kamal Williams record. Yeah. It was the same thing. Like it was kind of like one of those things like this is incredible. I love everything about this. And then like a bunch of hardcore albums will come up <laughs> and I'll kind of forget yeah. everything. And then I'll come back to it and realise like how much I, I loved it. Because uh, didn't this come out quite early in the year? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was just before summer, I think. Um, but the... The, the noticeable difference on this one is like how many more uh, vocal collaborations they had. Yeah, because isn't it basically a different vocalist on every track? More or less. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got everything from poets to uh, rappers to everything in between. But the thing that caught me straight away on the first track was by who opens and closes the record. His name's, he's a poet named Joshua Ederhen. Mm-hmm. And it's such a biting piece of work from him. Like it's it's basically the theme is basically kind of slavery and black oppression. Right. Okay. But he uses um, things like, like I said, like themes of slavery, but in, in like a modern language. So he'll he'll say things like, I'll, I'll butcher what he says, but he will say he'll work in things like hashtags and things like right. sorry, not sorry, and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah. So it's it's actually really clever. But I will say one like line that did stick out, which is like, it's he says the audacity and caucasity of it all, which That's I cool. thought, oh yeah. man, so fucking clever. But um, like I said, there's, there's lots of guest spots continuously throughout it. Like they've got Koji Radical, they've got Double D Double E, and you know th- th- those tracks resonate in their own way. Mm. But as for the actual musical content, it's nothing particularly groundbreaking. I will say that. But it's because of who Sons of Kemet are, like that their their rhythm section alone is just unmatched in mm. in the jazz world. I think it's just you, that is that's kind of what sticks out about. Because is is there three of them? It's four. Oh, four. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that that's what kind of gives them the stamp of being who Sons of Kemet yeah. are. Like this is their, their rhythm section is so like you like the little flourishes and stuff are so uniquely them. But like I said, this is as a as for jazz records go this year. That's kind of what stuck out mm. for them. And like, like I said, revisiting it made me realise how much of a stayer this record is, and how much I did enjoy it. And I, the one thing I will say is like I think maybe what they do next might be what their real sort of change in the arc. Yeah. Because they the first record, like I said, got a lot of lot of critical acclaim. This one was like another step up and like a bit more sort of branching out and realising what they want to do and what they want to sound like. The next one might be a complete game changer. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm, that's what kind of what I'm looking forward to hearing next from them. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe, maybe next year or the year after, I think we're going to hear something really special from yeah. these guys. Because that's the thing, like I, I saw this on another sort of, uh, um, the year sort of like roundup, yeah, and like I'd seen the oh, name. So did someone else mention it? Yeah, because I I hadn't actually seen this on a lot of lists, weirdly. So 
this is yeah. So I'd never I'd I'd seen the name, but I don't think I'd because jazz isn't my thing at all. But I hadn't sort of de- so I'd never like delved into it. And I think I only I'd heard the track. I listened to the track with DWE on it. I think, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. This is interesting. And intended to listen to the whole record and just never kind of got round to it. Yeah, sure. Um, in terms of you may not be able to answer this. So I don't know. But in terms of like the lyrics, do they leave it to whoever that person is to write them? I actually or? don't know. No, I imagine probably. Look, like I said, the guy who opens and closes is a poet. Yeah, I think he's he's he is in his own world. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe. So it'd be interesting to see how they do if they kind of give that person the piece of music and then mm. they write around that, or if they give them a theme or whatever. It'd be interested to see. Yeah how they kind of construct that. Um, a little side note, if you're, like you say, if you're not a massive jazz head, um, one thing that I will recommend you get into, which I can't imagine you're not liking, is the Bad, Bad, Not Good record that came out this year. You know Bad, Bad, Not Good? No. Okay, well, fucking get into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's me told, isn't it? But yeah, I definitely, I need to give this a full listen, I think, because, definitely. yeah. Cool. Um, we're into the top fives now, wow. so I'm gonna go first because, again, it's sticking with the theme. But I get but <laughs> miserable, miserable, yeah. <laughs> but again, this is a band that like I'd never heard of, and like when I read the description, I was like, this is gonna be absolute shit. So no, no. So right, I'm gonna read out the description to you. Well, not absolute shit, but like I was like, how is this gonna work? So I'm going to quickly, if the internet doesn't die on me, I'm going to quickly bring up their band camp and just read out what the their description is. Because... Is it, uh, this is going to be complete shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Because I just want to get your take on it. Right, so... I'll, I'll, I'll say the band name in a minute. but So they describe themselves as, we are a French band from Lille, Trio, folk guitar, violin, piano, vocals. Um, I would say interesting. Right, okay. <laughs> Add to the, this, right? So then in their sort of tags on on Bandcamp, acoustic, yeah, um, neoclassical, post-rock, then Lille, but then Screamo. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Post Screamo, French. So this is what got me, French Screamo. So I was like, oh, okay. So the band is called Laura Laura Ipsum. The record is called Vivre Encore. As I said, they're a French three piece that play classical French Screamo. Excellent. And Into I, it. literally, so the first bars that you hear is. What I can't remember what the time is when you you're the guitarist of the two of us when you like pull your pick up the strings and go what's that called pick scrape yeah basically he does that with a violin excellent to start the record and then goes into like this weird like sort of classical thing and then it's French screamo in terms of like the vocals yeah and they somehow create like what you'd think of like stereotypical like French screamo bands would do but just with a guitar a piano and a violin no drums no drums and like so they use like the tremor of a violin to like 
create that atmosphere of like a blast. And like the vocals are just because it's, I don't know the way they've recorded it, but it sounds like they've just recorded it live, like in a, in a single room, especially the vocals, because it just sounds so echoey and like there's more than just him there. Um, but the theme of the record as well. So I'll, you might have seen me post the artwork before, but I'll quickly show you the artwork. It's like a ballet dancer who's like bent up oh, like a pretzel. Oh, I recognise that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the theme of the record is about the body failing. So whether that be through like um, degenerative, um, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for? Waste disease? No, um, hereditary sort of like yeah, yeah, yeah. being passed on for generations, uh, whether that be sort of through like just general illness, through like like cancer, through Alzheimer's, through drug abuse, through whatever. It's all different stories of, and true, like, they're based on true stories of people's like bodies failing them. Um, and because like even though it's all in French, they somehow like capture that emotion, and I don't know whether that's because it's got that like classical edge to it, but they just tell a narrative so well through their music. Like there's one song, that bit where I said where they've kind of like using like the vibrato of the, of the violin to kind of create like a drum sort of effect. Percussion, yeah. Yeah, like it all co- like they build it up and then it comes right down and like you can, when you're listening to it, you can imagine like, oh, this is a person that's been doing like, gone to the gym for their, all their life and whatever. And then all of a sudden there's that boom and shit's turned around and yeah. and they take you on that journey through their instrumentation. And like, I was so blown up. Like I've never bought a record so quickly in my life. I was so blown away by this. I was like, where can I get this? And because they would, I think, it, again, it was with help from friends, but it was mainly self-release. So they did it all through their band camp. Yeah. And like, I even messaged them and I was like, this is amazing. Like, I've literally never heard anything like this. Um, and yeah, it was. I was just so like, interested by it. Like considering on paper, it just looks really weird. Yeah, and like, yeah. you don't think that is going to work. But I just I couldn't stop listening to it, and like ev like every listen, there was like new little nuggets that I found, and yeah, I was just I'd be interested to see if they ever do anything live, yeah, um, and if they do, how the fuck they pull it off. But yeah, I was just absolutely blown away by this record. Yeah, that sounds really fucking interesting. Yeah, so go so yeah, Laura Mipsum, Viva Uncle is awesome. the album. Uh, so yeah, your number five. Uh, my number five is a record called Absolutely by Dijon. I'm sticking with the French theme. <laughs> Dijon. No, Dijon. He's, he's oh, Dijon. Dijon. I thought you were like D-I-J-O-N. Right, okay. Familiar? Can't say I am. No, okay. He's, he's, it's a debut from a singer-songwriter slash multi-instrumentalist, all that kind of thing. Like Very, very kind of experimental. But it, I guess the influences are predominantly sort of folk and soul um but 
what immediately struck me was what I'm, when I first heard the single The Dress, which was going to be the, well, I guess the lead single for the album. But it was had this very sort of 80s romantic teen movie, like prom night kind okay. of vibe. Um, and I fucking love all that shit. So I was going to be into that. Um, so after that, digging around, I found a couple of videos that, that he'd made on YouTube, which were essentially just kind of him and his mates or the band just in a room kind of jamming really just kind of i guess building the foundation for what these songs would be mm. um which later turned on turned around to be a, a full movie which, oh wow which is like well, i say full movie it went, it went on for half an hour but he called it a movie. yeah yeah this is short like a short movie yeah but they stitched them all together and it was what it essentially turned into was just, like I said, it's more of the same. Just them got getting in a room, jamming out ideas, just getting more and more drunk and more and more crazy. <laughs> yeah, like literally by the end of it, they're all complete fucking mess. It's, it's crazy. But um, but as for the actual musical uh, content, it's kind of like you could easily pass it off as something along the lines of Frank Ocean, maybe... Bonnie Vare, and maybe something like Bruce Springsteen. Oh wow! Just okay. like meshed into one little package. Like, Weird. Yeah, it's it's like no one track is really the same. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I loved about it. Like it's just just whilst taking a lot of the what those sounds would be and just making it his own, because what this album is uh, kind of a collaboration collaboration with uh, a, a guitarist and songwriter himself called Mick G. Okay. No, no, it's just so he's he himself he's put out a load of great records as well. So them two obviously got together and trying to sort of pan out what this record would be as well. But um, it's very sort of emotional and very sort of full of heart. Mm. But you just can't deny how great it is. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's, um, it's one of these records. It's like it doesn't drag on too long. And it's another one like I said earlier about the uh, the left in between record where you can just easily cycle through it without really knowing yeah yeah but like i said it's it's that so full of emotion that it grabs you like this song the song towards the end called rodeo clown which is i can assume is about a breakup Mm. but he's literally in bits at the end of the recording of it like you can hear him crying like like the producer's like trying to calm him down oh fuck yeah but that that's if you watch the video it's the, the the short film is also called absolutely if you look it up You'll see how that all it fits in. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. But it's just, it's one of the, something that I found myself just constantly coming back to. I mean, it, it, I think it released later on in the year, but it did come up on my uh, my Spotify rap. Yeah, like yeah, one of the most played songs slash albums that I had, and like, I, you know, it's it's kind of fits really nicely into my my taste these days. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I highly recommend checking that out. If okay. You're familiar. Yeah, I am not, but I would definitely. That's the, like that's why I like doing this with you because like, even though there's clear crossover, there's mm. definitely stuff that you're more in tune with than I am, and like I always come away with like people that I've never heard of that I will go away and then sort of check out and either be like, what the fuck is he on yeah. about, or like, like I'll fall in love with sort of If thing. you check out the video, like the first thing you'll see is him and he's, he's just wearing, he's wearing like a, a dark throne t-shirt and a, a fishing jacket, a trucker cap and like army shorts. 
Brilliant. And you, he's like stumbling around kind of half pissed and you're like, what the fuck's this guy's deal? Yeah. And then you'll hear his voice and you'll go, oh shit. Like he's like basically modern day Frank Ocean. Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's that crazy. Yeah. Weird. I'll mm. definitely, definitely check that out. Um, cool. Right. So my number four, I think is probably one of two records. Oh, actually, no. One of the records that's been on a lot of people's lists anyway, but Turnstile Glow On. Of course. Because, so, right, I'm going to be 100% honest with this. When I first listened to it, I was a bit like, okay, yeah, cool. But you've just released, like, four, a four-track EP and then drip-fed another, like, three or four tracks off this album. So I feel like I've kind of listened to it already. Yeah, yeah. But then I just couldn't deny how fucking good those songs were. Like... Blackout, Holiday, Turnstile Love Connection. Like, banger, banger, banger. Just absolute bangers. And, like, I know there's been a lot of people on the internet that have basically been bagging on Turnstile, saying they've sold out and all this and whatever. But when you can write songs that are this fucking catchy, like, who gives a fucking shit? Well, that's interesting you say that, because I've, I've seen nothing but rooting for these guys. I mean, I there's there has been both, but I think, like, the people who have bagged on them have basically just been like, oh, you're just, like, a stadium court band now, and all this, and all this which... fucking get real. But, like, that's the thing. Like, these guys have been fucking slogging for years. Yeah. It's like, they've... And, like, fair play to them, like, and the thing is, like, even the new elements they've introduced, they've always kind of, like, had that in their back pocket. They're just showing it a bit more forefrontly yeah, yeah. now. Like, the with, like, the hip hop style, like, drum beats, mm. the kind of, like, more melodic parts where they've let um, Frank do a lot more, like, of the, the singing, the kind of more kind of, like, pop elements to it, like... Even on, um, like, even if you look back on like, Nonstop Feeling, like, there's definitely, like, pop hooks in those songs. Oh, yeah. But they've just, they've now been like, no, we're going to write a, a rock record, but with hardcore sensibilities. Yeah. And, like, I think they've almost kind of, like, They've punked the hardcore, like the like the hardcore haters, I think as well. Like, because I think they kn- knew with this record there would be some people that were a bit like, "What are you doing? Like, this isn't hardcore." And I think like if if you watch the like little short film that they, ironically, segue that yeah. they did for that that four track EP, which is obviously four tracks off this record, like they've basically just been like poking their tongue out to people. Yeah. We, like, we're like, we know how to write good songs. We know we're good-looking dudes. Like, bye, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. like, going back to kind of what I said, like, when I first listened to this, I thought, like, I was like, oh, I've, I've heard all these songs already before. So I'm, I just, I'm not that bothered. But then I just kept being like, oh, yeah, but I can't deny how good those songs are. So I'd go back to it. And then I'd hear the other songs and just get how it all fit together. Mm. And, like, they're just such a clever band. Like, 
just the way, as I say, like the way they've introduced more sort of hip hop style to to their music, to the kind of like almost kind of like just not using lyrics to create sound, like the bits where their vocalist is just kind of going Ooh, and like making like just literally noises, yeah, yeah. but they're bits that like stick in your head. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's just really like clever of like oh you've literally making a noise and I'm now doing that back to you. It's like what the fuck? Yeah, and it's just, yeah. So it's just like they've I never thought about that one. Yeah. It's just like they've literally created a and I think like we saw recently when they were on the Seth Meyers show. Oh. They are now a gateway band for people into hardcore because like yeah. obviously Sonny from Hate Five Six posted like his fucking algorithm thing the day after that came out and it was fucking through the roof. Yeah. What just everyone checking out different hardcore bands. Yeah. Oh nice. Um like they've they obviously did that tour where it was like basically all hip hop artists mm. and them they're I think they've sold out, like they've sold out Kentish Town Forum and I think maybe the Roundhouse as well over here and the, and the shows they're doing here next year. So they're, they're just... They'll fucking destroy the Roundhouse. Yeah, they're just going to like... And for anyone that says like they're not a hardcore band anymore, like you're fucking stupid because they they clearly know what they're doing but they still have that like hardcore sensibility there. And they like they show that through like there's still bits that you can do your gang vocals to there's still your bits that you can stage dive to there's still your bits you can two step to but there's also the bits you can party to and have yeah. fun so I think from going from all the bleak trauma that we've spoken about yeah before, yeah this is just a, a nice fun fun record that yeah. like literally every time I put it on you can't help but like want to dance to it mm. so yeah number four glow on turnstile awesome. Um, who uh, who produced that record? Do you know? I don't actually know because from what I I think what I've heard is like who they got in for that one is he's not really in been into the hardcore. World yeah, at all. I don't think so. So it's kind of like a new territory for mm. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, production wise, fucking spot on. Oh yeah, yeah, and like just that's the thing. Like I think this has elevated their sound as well because because of the production it sounds clean and like specifically the, like the drums. I know like they've used a lot more kind of like electronics within like, like padded like drums and stuff like that on this. But like the bit on, I can't remember what song it is, but it uses the fucking cowbell or whatever it, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. That kind of like bongo-y sort of sound. Yeah. Like that's instantly recognisable mm. now. Like, and you can imagine like seeing that live, like people being like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. air drumming to it sort yeah. of thing. And like, did so. you see the um, the record release on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bit at the end. Did you did you stick to the end? I can't remember. It was a while ago. So they so. close out with TLC. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that one line that um, I want to thank you for letting me be myself. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's on stage, and it's just that one beat continuously. Yeah, yeah. And um, the vocalist, I forget his name. He's just he's just kind of like lent over on stage mm. and let everyone do all the fucking work. Yeah, oh, it's just so heartwarming. Yeah, yeah. 
So, but yeah, I think they deserve every props they get, and yeah. they're shooting to the moon now. Absolutely. So yeah, that's cool. my number four. Right. So your number four. My number four. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going European again with a uh, Mac Favascan. Nope. You. I reckon you. You probably listened to them. The, record, <laughs> the records that you. Well, you've probably known of them, uh, but the records called Four Alting, which I, I guess is Swedish for for everything. Right, okay. Uh, so a Swedish kind of indie punk shoegaze band um, put out their debut way back in 2009 on Run For Cover. Okay. It was just called Mac Favascan 1, and it was first of a trilogy. Okay. Um, so the first record was kind of... It, it was kind of like the punky... From what I got from it, it was like a punk version of uh, Cocteau Twins. So right, that's, okay. that's like, I'm fucking all Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like the following two were kind of similar, but the, the third one kind of wasn't quite as good as the first two. Uh, so, like um, the Amunra records, so this is kind of the first one outside of that. Yeah, yeah. That work. So, and it's it's kind of it's kind of along the same lines, but it's kind of a bit more dialed back and a bit more hooky and catchy, but while still keeping that sort of punky punky attitude. Mm. But it's yeah, yeah, it's just it's like a really nice kind of sort of shoegazy kind of really shimmering guitars kind okay. of kind of sound to it. It's just like it's something you can just easily chuck on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember once I uh, <laughs> I ran out of data on my phone because I, I had to go somewhere I can't remember where, but I ran out of data on my phone, so I downloaded this and I li- pretty much listened to this for a day. So kind of by default, this has made more top yeah. ten list. But um, yeah, this, their, this, their songs are just—they're just wonderful, and they're great. They're great songwriters, and um, I'd like to see them live, but I don't think they've ever actually been over here. Yet. Yeah. But um, yeah, the recordings, like the recording, has this kind of like in the room. You're in the room kind of vibe. Yeah, like yeah. it's just they've captured the energy really well, and I think that's part of its charm. Mm. Like whereas everything before previous to this was a bit more sort of um, it's not abrasive, but a bit more kind of um, bit bit more louder, a bit more angrier, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is like, like I said before, kind of more stripped back. But now I think this kind of works more for them than the previous mm. three. So I feel I feel like they've kind of finally found their their lane. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is just something that I just found myself kind of against my will coming back to a little bit. <laughs> not, not that that should deter from why it's why it's here, but it's just something that I end up really liking this year. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. I can't say say I might have heard it. If you if you look passing. up some of their artwork, their artwork's quite distinguishable. Okay. So I think you'd probably yeah. Like, I say it might be something I've listened to in passing, but not necessarily realised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. We'll go with my number three, and this is probably my most kind of uh, mainstream slash popular release. Um, Lil Nas X, um, Montero, awesome. Montero, is that? I think that's how you say it. Um, I will be totally honest, like, I wasn't on the Lil Nas X bandwagon when he did Old Town Road, like. I got it. Uh, I thought it was cool. It was a cool little spin on things. Um, but yeah, I wasn't like one of these people that was completely sold on them. Then 
whatever the first single he was that that released off this record, I can't remember what it was now. And there was the, the video of him basically like sucking off Satan or whatever <laughs> it was. I was just all like, oh, okay, this dude's like pretty far out there. It's, it's funny like, when you think back to what Old Town Road is to yeah, that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, like I need to pay attention to this this dude because like he's clearly got his head screwed on for being a an openly gay person of colour and not giving a shit. But take away like the politics side of things, he knows how to write a fucking catchy tune. And like what my reservations were with Lil Nas X when Old Town Road kind of came out was because obviously it was him doing a spin on an old song and kind of adding his twist to it. I was like, okay, but he's basically just restructured and rebranded an existing song. What can he do on his own? And I think this record just shows like, oh no, he can fucking write a song. He knows how to rap, you Mm. know? And like, I think the first like five songs on the record just like earworms like you like you instantly get the beat in in your head like you can't help but like hum the rhythm of it some of the like choruses are just catchy as fuck and like to stick with like my overall kind of sort of reason why i love music he's even though he is a mainstream artist he as punk as fuck because like very similar to like another name in that world of like Cardi B. I know it's kind of like complete opposite end of things because she's kind of coming from it from like a woman who sort of loves her body and loves sex and openly celebrates that. He does it from the perspective of a gay man, but also having to deal with the fact of like, all the fucking homophobia and bigotry that goes with the fact of being a gay black man. And rather than, like, sing about it in a political way, he sings about it in a satirical kind of way. And I think that's a really clever thing to do because, like, as much as it's a bad trope, everybody recognises the angry black man as, as, like especially, like, early rap days. Whereas, like, the fact that he's decided to kind of take it on a more kind of vulnerable aspect and create pop music, which has a hip-hop edge, rather than hip-hop music that has a pop edge. And it's just... Yeah, I think he's been really clever to because he could have so easily have gone, like you hate me for who I am, so I'm going to be angry as fuck. Whereas he's gone, okay, I hear that you're calling me all these things. I am all these things, so I'm going to celebrate it. And I think the fact that, like, all his artwork is really bright and colourful, like, and is kind of poking fun at religion, he's, like, for for a debut album as well, it's just, like, he's basically been, like, here's my balls, fucking suck them. And it's just like, it's just so, I think he's so clever. And like, yeah, 
I think it's introduced a lot of younger people into kind of that anti-authoritarian kind of way to look at pop, like pop culture, not, not, even though it is punk in the broadest word of saying it, it's, it's showing people you don't have to conform. You don't have to fit into a box. And I think more people who are in the mainstream limelight are doing that now. Like we're seeing it a lot more, like even like artists like Billie Eilish, like she's arguably the biggest fucking pop star in the world. But I would put Lil Nas X alongside her in terms of the way that he presents himself and the way that he politics his music in the right way. Um, But also just creates absolute bangers. (laughs) And so, yeah. And like, this was a record, like, when it came out, I was like, right, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to give it, like, full listen. And then I just didn't stop listening to it. And yeah. it's, like, one of those... Even though, like, as I say, it's kind of... There are, obviously, like, issues around, sort of, like, his sexuality and, and his race that are there. Like, you, you can't help but, like, sing along and... and get caught up with it and it's a really sort of nice record to listen to just in the background and stuff like that so it's just one that i just kept going back to awesome yeah it's my number three yeah i um i don't i don't remember getting back into that one i don't never get around to listen to that one unfortunately but do you um do you follow him on twitter yeah he's fucking brilliant he's fucking brilliant yeah he's every single diss he gets thrown at him he's just got the best little one line yeah yeah so good um, also, I love how he dressed up as essentially a Dark Souls character for the... Oh, uh, the Met Gala. The Met Gala. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, my number three. What's yours? Awesome. My number three is Crime and Punishment by Regional Justice Centre. Nice, okay. I mean, what is there to say, really? It's just... it's just. I say it's an album, but it's it's quarter of an hour. <laughs> yeah. like just really fucking harsh, pissed off, high quality biting power violence yeah and it's just like you know the theme with this i found was like it's not you know power violence traditionally would just be like here's a political subject i'm pissed off at Mm. here's a fucking 30 second rage about yeah yeah yeah. what i got from this is like this is like asking the questions rather than like this is what i'm pissed off about. yeah yeah and i think that's kind of what gives it it's like you not unique edge but like kind of what makes it stand out a bit mm. more i mean it's called crime and punishment like so the crime this one's called crime, crime and punishment the previous one was called oh i can't remember it's something along similar lines but it, yeah it, what i've it what, what i got from it is it's planting things in your head to talk about yeah i mean it, just for example it's, it's not on the record but that song that they dropped just before this is called kkk K-K, tattoo yeah. And that was basically about, you know, that could have been me. Yeah. You know, I know this this thing exists, but, like, there's people in my family that were influenced by this, mm. and it could very much could have been my lifestyle as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like I'm special and I'm because I'm a punk and I've got this thing to say about it. I could have easily stepped into this lifestyle myself. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what this is about. I mean, crime and punishment is kind of links to 
people in his family that are going through the like I mean, it's called crime punishment and they're called regional justice yeah you know go figure and it's like you know it people it seems people in his family have been in these situations and like unfairly or unfairly justified for whatever reason mm. so he's ian shelton the vocalist slash drummer is, is saying like you know what can you do or who could you have been in this situation yeah, rather yeah. than the justice system is fucked and all this kind of stuff and he decided to, to present it in this quarter of an hour fucking blistering hardcore record yeah, yeah, yeah. where he sounds like his fucking do- his balls are in his <laughs> like honestly the, the like desperate desperation and sincerity behind his vocals in this record is like so fucking out there and it's like how can you deny how great this fucking is as a yeah, yeah, yeah. body of work. I mean, he got they got Taylor Young from, from um, one of the he's one of the young brothers. He's, yeah, he does. He does. He's done everything, hasn't he? It's um, Touch Tongues. That's yeah. it. Yeah, like his his scuzzy kind of visceral production. Yeah, it's it's kind of got its own lane, but I think it actually lends itself really well to this mm. record. It's, I think it really stands out quite nicely. Like he doesn't really go for a more polished sound with it. Yeah, yeah. Thing. But I think it really works with this. Mm. And they stuck with Mark McCoy for the artwork, which I thought was a the really artwork cool is fucking amazing. It's yeah, so good. I think that really suits him. But yeah, <laughs> I remember this again. Going back to the dog walking subject, but I remember listening to this a lot when like the dog thieves, the dog theft was happening oh, a lot. Yeah, and I had this in my ear, and I'm thinking. Fucking try it. If someone comes up to me right now. I'm listening to Regional Justice Centre right now and you're going to get fucking done if you come near me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's my number three. I think, yeah, I think this, like, I was a fan of them anyway, but this record has definitely put them, like, miles ahead of, of sort of their closest peers within power violence at the moment, I think. So this this isn't a clash? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, yeah, but I think this, as I say, it could put some sort of miles ahead of, of their sort of peers. Yeah. I think, like you, cause you're saying, so I don't know if you know, but so the reason they're called Regional Justice Centre is because his brother, yeah. I think, yeah, was obviously, has gone through the justice centre, like justice system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, I think that's, as you say, like he's presented the band as kind of like, what can be changed rather yeah. than be angry, which yeah. is like really cool. Um, but I think like the one thing that I will say is like, even though this isn't in my top 10, I said it last year, um, Sammy from Drain slash Gulch was the person that owned Hardcore in 2020. Ian Shelton is the person that owned Hardcore in 2021, like Regional Justice Centre and two incredible EPs by Military Gun. Like, he's just been on fucking fire this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sort of um, honourable mention to Ian Shelton for just being a just fucking king. Um, we'll stick with your number two. Okay. Uh, my number two is LP! Exclamation <laughs> mark by JPEG Mafia. So, JPEG Mafia... Ex-veteran kind of turned rapper, producer, singer, songwriter, the like. And, like, to me, unfairly, got quite, compared to um, 
Death Grips in his early days because okay. his uh, it was kind of in presented itself in that sort of more off kilter way, yeah. kind of like Death Grips did. But so naturally, because it was around the same sort of time period, it got compared to mm. Death Grips. But he sort he sort of branched out a bit more on his second record with a bit more sort of pop and R and B leanings, um, while still kind of being really unpredictable and like off kilter, like I said. But this being his third record is kind of everything he does well pushed together in one little unique package. Yeah. So it's it's like it makes it more cohesive and a bit more sort of a catchy accessible thing to listen to yeah. I guess so there's two versions of this record there's one that ex- exists on streaming platforms mm. etc et but there's also one on Bandcamp and, and YouTube which I can only imagine is for like you know like sample clearances and things like that yeah yeah so it goes on slightly longer I've never really got the chance to get around to that but um I think what for what this is, this is more than enough. Like this is kind of if it presents itself as what JPEG Mafia does best. Like mm. he's he he lists as Kanye as, as a big influence. Yeah. You can really see that on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's he's like I said, he's a multi instrumentalist, so he's he's got this synth, he's got keys, you've got guitars, you've got samples, you've got a bit of everything on this record. But like I said, this is probably his most accessible thing to date. Mm. And it's something Again, you could easily throw throw on, and it's really no big deal. You can have it on. You can really sort of get into what it is, or you can have it on the background while yeah, you're doing yeah. things. But dude's got a real strange obsession with Britney Spears. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like it seems to be a link on every single record. Oh really? Has. Yeah. Also, I was, there's something I was going to ask you. Is which... this on end credits? Because I want to mention this. If this is what you're going to bring up. No, no, no. Oh, okay. That 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 is its own thing that I'm not on this record, but there's a sample which is throughout his work, which I swear is on a beginning of a wrestler's intro. It's oh, like, uh, the thing you know me, it's Edge. Yes, yeah. who, who is that? Edge. That's it. Yeah, I, I was like, I know that from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's on nearly every other yeah. track that I couldn't remember what it is. Yeah, end credits. Is like a it's like a progressive metal track almost. So the reason I bring that up, so there's another wrestling reference in that. Yeah, is it the guy talking at the start? Yeah, and it comes back at the end. It's Arn Anderson. Who was that the guy you mentioned earlier? The guy up with the Munro track. No, no. Oh, right. So Arn Anderson is like one of like the old school wrestlers, like from the eighties. Like he's one of like the like the four horsemen like collective that were like in wcw and stuff like that yeah but he's now part of like aew as like a manager and he cut this fucking incredible promo um that was basically because he's so he's cody rose's manager in aew and he's basically called cody a little bitch and was basically like saying if you were driving along the highway and someone came up to you with a gun and said, give me all your money. You'd basically roll over and fucking play dead and give him your, your money. If yeah. that was me, I'd take out that Gluck and fucking... <laughs> because I'm Arn Anderson. Yeah. So that promo happened. This album then came out maybe three, four uh, a top weeks later. 
and that sample was on there. Oh right. So that shows how fucking quick yeah. he was like, Get I want that, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. flipped it around to be on that record. Which, like, so I know you've always been like a big fan of of JPEG Mafia's, and because of that, I was like, right, I need to listen to it, and I get the sort of Death Grips comparison. But there was one, I think it's the second album, because I just looked it up. I, I don't recognise the artwork, but it must have been All My Heroes Are Cornballs. Mm. I just didn't get it. Like, Yeah, that and, was the one that sort of hit or miss for everyone. Yeah, and I was just sort of like, after that, I was sort of like, okay, like people, like people like it, but it's not my thing. And then this came out, and I was just like, oh, I get it now, sort yeah. of thing. And... Yeah, I, I really, really like this record. Yeah. I mean, so it's safe to say he's a big wrestling fan, then. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just, it, this record just proves his diversiveness and his talent, really. Mm. Like, it's just, there's tracks on here that remind me of kind of the latter day Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. you could go on to later tracks like Nice. It's got nice, literally. That's the name of the track, nice, <laughs> with an exclamation mark, which is like a military chant with a really fucking crushing beat over it. Yeah. And then the latter part of the record, you get a couple of remixes from people like Denzel Curry. Yeah. It's just, I think it just seals this real nice fucking record together really well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a repeat listen to, and that's why it popped in my number two. Um, do you know who Nardwar is? Yeah, the interview. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the one that he does with JPEG Mafia? I haven't seen all of it. I've seen some of it. Oh, so... I saw another one where he was drunk out of his fucking mind. So, the, yeah, he references that. Oh, right. But this one there in um, Malibu, and yeah, it's just, is the fact, like, there's some of the stuff that Narwhal digs into. Who is Narwhal? I don't, he's like, he's just, <laughs> like, just a dude. Just a dude. Well, he's, he's been going since, like, the 80s. Because like there's old like like there's old interviews that he did with like Henry Rollins and stuff when he was like back in and like Ian McKay like with Minor Threat and oh, really? like, Black Flag days yeah so he's been going for fucking years he's just known as this like like music journalist that can somehow like finds all these fucking obscure references <laughs> that blow fucking people's minds but because like a lot more recently he's done it with like like rap and hip hop artists yeah and that because obviously like a lot of what he presents are kind of like references to old hip hop that they may use in a sample that like unless you know you'd have no idea yeah so then they're like he presents them with like the the original like vinyl pressing of the sample that they've used and they're like how the fuck <laughs> it's just like it's just so so yeah I would I recommend watching the JPEG Mafia one awesome yeah I would do um cool so my number two is the album God's Hate by the band God's Hate that features the song God's Hate okay. on it because God's Hate, but I don't need to say it God's any, hate. anymore. God's Hate squared. Because <laughs> th this record is the most pummeling thing I have listened to in so fucking long. It's made me angry. It's made me happy. It's made me want to punch people in the face. It's made me want to spin kick people. It's just so fucking hard. And, like, this is the thing. I liked, and I use that term quite loosely, liked God's Hate before this record. Like, I'd listened to their previous stuff. I, I admired Brody King because he's a wrestler. And, like, I wasn't, but on the previous stuff, I wasn't the biggest fan of his style of vocals. 
But because it's Brody King, I was like, this is cool. Like, straight edge wrestler in a, in a fucking hard as fuck band. I'll, I'll listen to it, but I'm not going to be too invested in it. Then out of seemingly nowhere, they drop this record. And the obviously single they, they release is called Be Harder. <laughs> and like literally nothing could be harder than this record. Like, as I say, it just it just goes from naught to a hundred so fucking quickly. Like the drum drumming on it from Colin Young is just unparalleled like he just yeah it's just so fucking beefy like the like the riffs in it are so like they're chuggy but they're catchy as well mm. and like because this is all this is all his love of labor isn't it this well colin yeah 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 um and like the sort of like lyrical content even though it may, like on the surface, it may sound a bit kind of like cheese ball. It's very much like anti-authoritarian, anti-government, and like, yeah, it's just like the they fucking made them a meme of their own band. Mm. But that song is just like literally when if outbreak happens. Yeah. I am going to just <laughs> like I'm a six foot two string bean, but I will kill people <laughs> when they play that song because, like, honestly, I've like I've never felt so fucking like pent up from a hardcore record in so long, and this just hit the spot, and I just wasn't expecting it. You, you look at look out, outbreak for a fucking bit of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically kicking you in the face. But like, this is the like, because when that that single hit, I was sort of like, oh, okay, this is gonna be like novelty as fuck. And like the first listen, I was like, yeah, I'm right. This is hilarious. Like, it's just like obnoxious, like heavy hardcore. And I thought I'd be done with it. But I just, I couldn't stop listening to it. And, like, I think that song, like, God's Hate, was, that or Be Harder were, like, my most played song on Spotify rap just because, like, it would put, like, it would just put me in a mood to, like, get up and do shit. If I was angry, I'd put it on. If I was sad, I'd put it on. Like, the Svalbard lot can testify for, to this. I was pissed off because we got stuck in traffic in London. So I was like, right. Everyone shut the fuck up, put this on, blasted it, and then got us to the fucking venue on time. <laughs> so, nice. like, yeah, this record was, like, it was so close to being my number one, but I, I couldn't quite justify it. But yeah. I, just, I, I just fell in love with it. Awesome. I mean, so, two, two things. Life is hard, be harder. A words to live by. Exactly. And second thing, I know what your number one is. Okay. Cool. Well, we, we, we won't. Well, I d no, because it's my show. I'm going to fucking end on my So, what's your? Well, I just one? I know what it is. Okay. So wait. So wait. So we've had no clashes then. I don't no, think. No. Fuck. Okay. I <laughs> sorry. So my number one is "Kissing Rosie in the Rain" by Mason Lindahl. I have no idea who that is. Okay. So <laughs> I'm not even sure. I remember how I discovered him, but is he's basically a solo folk guitarist from northern california who seemed to kind of struggle his way 
into music up until now. Like his first record didn't really it didn't really go the way he hoped. And he kind of I think he kind of stepped back from music almost. Mm-hmm. So then he came back fighting with this one. And it seemed to get a lot of attention from, you know, websites like Pitchfork, all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of it's all instrumental. Literally just him and a nylon guitar. No percussion. Just just absolute finger picking finger, yeah, finger picking wizard. Sorry, I'm a bit tuned up. <laughs> finger picking wizard. Like he's just like he steals influences from classical, uh, sort of almost like I can't. How can I describe it? It's it's, it's very sort of um, movie soundtracky. Okay, yeah. So if you if you were to hear something like this, it, you'd think maybe oh. Sounds like the Last of Us soundtrack. Right, okay. It's kind of that vibe. But the way he presents it, it's kind of... It sounds almost like a full orchestra. Okay. So it's just him. Like I said, it's just him. I think half of it's probably even improvised. Yeah. It's just him in a room on his own. Just a, a, guitar, a guitar and maybe a bit of electronics going on. Yeah. Um, so that's what makes it sound so much more fuller than what it is. Um, but you could easily compare this to something like something like Sunkill Moon mm. or how the tallest man on earth plays. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, without singing like his sort of vocal styles, or maybe even going back to something like Leonard Cohen. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of that uniqueness to him. Yeah. That makes him kind of what what how people would pay attention to a record like this. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine there's probably a million people doing something like him in their bedroom, waiting to be discovered. Yeah. But there's something that this guy has an edge on, mm. which is his, his playing style, and it's just it's just full of so much heart. You can tell how, you know, like how these songs came, just came from like maybe personal experiences, just yeah, poured yeah, out yeah. onto his guitar, and I think that is why. It stuck with me so much. So is there, is there vocals or is it all just... No vocals. Oh, okay. Yeah, all guitar and maybe just very minute electronics. Yeah. That is it. And the record goes on for about 40 minutes. And again, it's another one where you can press play, it'll wind on back through two, three times. Yeah. You have no idea. That's cool. And there's nothing, love, nothing more than I love than something like A haven't discovered before mm. and be something that I can just get absolutely buried in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that is why it got my number one spot because I never do these things based on like, oh, 10 being my lowest, one being the highest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, two to about 10 is like, you know, they're all just records I really enjoy. But there's, I think what I just described was what gave this record the edge to being my favourite thing yeah, yeah, that I listened yeah. to this year. Like, it's just pure brilliance. Mm. It really is. I mean, if you if you put this on, you you need to really get into something. You will get that shit done <laughs> because it's just it's something about it that, that focuses you in. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why I loved it so much. Fair enough. Yeah, I will endeavour to check it out. Um, Gunnar, as you think you know, one of one. Fiddlehead. Yep, fiddlehead. Shocker. Between the regions. <laughs> <laughs> This thing, it was so nearly God's hate, but I could, I just couldn't justify not having Fiddlehead there. 
Like it's a fucking great record. But this is the thing. So everyone that listens to my podcast probably knows by now that I worship the ground that Pat Flynn walks on. But that's not the reason this is my number one. The reason this is my number one is because, as you've just said, it is a fantastic fucking record. And I think this is the record that has shown that Fiddlehead aren't X have heart and members of Basement. Mm. This is Fiddlehead. Like, they've really thought about what they want their sounds to be like in that post-hardcore element. They've thought about how they want to structure the album. They've thought about where they're going to place samples and interludes. And they it feels like they've really kind of sat down. Because it felt... So when Fiddlehead first became a band, it was very much an outlet for Pat in terms of dealing, especially like the last record, Springtime and Blind, was to deal with like the grief of like the loss of his dad mm. and then like sort of dealing with stuff with his mum and things like that. And it was kind of an avenue for him to explore lyrically. But I think because of how well received they became as a band, they then kind of had to reassess that and think, okay, we actually need to be a band, but still be adults as well, because they all fucking have full-time jobs and whatever in their life. And I think by doing that, it's made them produce a record that is front to back, in my opinion, perfect. Because like they start off, it's it's almost like I don't know if there is a through narrative to the record, mm. but it pre- presents itself like a book. Yeah, because you've got that kind of like slow sort of sample of the person talking at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. And then by the time you get to the end, you've kind of got that not conclusion, but there's like a sense of okay, this is the end of this chapter. What what's next in in the world of whatever the story is or whatever yeah. Fiddlehead is. And I think, I've completely forgotten his name now, but the drummer, who was obviously the former Have Heart drummer, Sean something. I can't yeah, remember. fucking great drummer. This record, if you, this is the thing, like, obviously on a hardcore record in Have Heart stuff, I always knew he was a great drummer mm. because like, Obviously, tempo-wise and stuff within hardcore, drumming is like... Pretty standard. Yeah, well, it's fundamental as well. Yeah. Like you need a good drummer to like keep the pace, keep the rhythm, change it up when you want people to two-step and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But on this record, he has ba- like, I feel like they've turned to him and go, right, uh, we all know you're really fucking good. Show the fucking world. Yeah, yeah. And like, in... The, the track down university, yeah, yeah. Just that fucking double yeah, kick yeah, in yeah. the intro yeah. is insane. Yeah. Like it's so good. It's just it's like it's so it's, simple, but it's just. Yeah. I know that obviously the drum is an instrument, but a, a, a drum being its own thing on a record like this, yeah, is is a really fucking cool thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I've probably spoken 
for about three, four minutes now, and I haven't even spoken about Pat Flynn. <laughs> so that just goes to show like how good this record is. Like they've, I think they've bought the best of, because obviously where it's like, as I say, it's members of Have Art and it's members of, of Basement. And they've basically taken what made those two bands successful and great and now smashed them together and taken those best parts to make an incredible post-hardcore band. I think we're now going to go into the Pat Flynn element side of this, <laughs> but I think like this, and this is big for me saying this as someone that fucking adores have heart. This is the best he's ever sounded. I agree. Like he's obviously like he's always been really heartfelt and really open in his lyrics, but he's, he is telling stories now, which I think is what he's always been capable of doing, but just hasn't had the platform. And like, I did a bit of reading and I think there's, I think it's on the, the opening track, like, because it's been 10 years since the passing of his father, but mm. he's now become a father. Yeah. So he basically incorporates that whole, just that one song to talk about, his like his experience of part like of dealing with grief to now dealing with new life and just the way he tells that story is just like it's seamless and mm. you don't like unless you unpick it you don't even realize that's what he's just done and like again like through like the have heart days i obviously fucking adored what he was saying but i think he's kept his gruffness but was also decided to pull back and be a bit more like stripped with his own vocal style. Mm. And I think that has completely just opened up a whole new element for what Fiddlehead can offer. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait to see this live. Like I've, I've obviously saw them off the back of springtime and blind and was already like in love, but like just to see these songs specifically live Mm. is going to be incredible. Yeah. So, I could waffle on for fucking ever. <laughs> I'm going to bring it to a stop. But yeah, Fiddlehead, Between the Richness yeah. is my number one. Yeah. I mean, like, one thing that stuck out for me is, like, if you didn't know who they were or what background they were and you stuck it on for someone who was, like, in the know in that world, you'd say, oh, it sounds like, really sounds like, you know, Rites of Spring, Fugazi, kind of, who's good do kind of yeah. thing. And you're like... It's actually members of uh, Have Heart and Basement. They go, oh shit, I yeah. get it. Like that's what I. But really that's like. the, but that's the thing. Like you, the bands you've like just mentioned, obviously like they are bands that Kate like were were hardcore kids that then produced mm. that sort of style of music, and that's what it is for this general. Like obviously they're like older guys, but it's their take on that. Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Well, what I'm, well, I guess what I was trying to say is like the first record was. Their attempt at it. Oh yeah, and, and now they've, they've hit the nail on the yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but that's the, like the other thing as well. Like Sorry, you're saying yeah. about, like if you didn't know their background, like I think that's the thing as well. Like with Springtime and Blind, it was very much ex-members of Have Heart and Basement do post-hardcore, whereas you could present this as this is Fiddlehead. Like you don't need to say who they are. Like this it is a fiddlehead record and like, okay. Yeah. I have bias because of, of 
who some of the members are. But regardless of that, like you cannot take away how good this record is. And I think that's why on merit alone, it it's at my number one. Yeah. I'm absolutely shocked it's your number one. I can't <laughs> well, I'll tell you what is a shock that's not in my top ten. It could have easily been. There's a Converge record that was out this year. Holy shit, yeah, you're ten. right. Neither of us talked about yeah. it as well. But that's the thing, that just shows how good like the calibre yeah, yeah, yeah. of records this year was. But this is so on a kind of a similar note, and ironically they're touring together next year, if Military Gun, rather than done two EPs, had done a full length, that probably would have been my number one. Okay. Because that first EP I listened to constantly. Mm. So, but yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Do you want to give any honourable mentions? Uh, yeah. I mean, that cl- that Turnstile record, probably just missed it as well. Like, it really, oh, I'll just take care of everything you said earlier, but it was, it was a great summer record as well. Yeah. It? it was just a nice, fun record to stick on uh something i really enjoy was that stiff mech that stiff meds oh, record it's so good fucking where did they come from oh fucking so love that band. fucking love good that band. so good uh the flock of dimes record i really liked price of blue it's called um for those i love self-titled record yeah fucking i'm surprised that wasn't in your top 10 actually yeah I've, to be honest so did i <laughs> um no no not because i didn't enjoy it as much as the others but I, yeah it's just I think it's because it came out earlier in the year and I've yeah. heard most of, the, most of the tracks already, maybe. That might have, been, might have had something to do with it. Did you hear this Amigo the Devil record? The name rings about Murder in the Bingle Hope. Murder yes, in the yeah, 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 yeah. It was kind of like uh, Tom Waits meets Leonard Cohen, yeah, yeah, but yeah. maybe even more crazy if yeah. that's possible. Fucking genius record. Uh, King Woman, Morningstar. Mm. Fucking incredible. Really good. Uh, Death Heaven, like fucking... Absolutely fucking off metal and being like, we're <laughs> yeah. still great. Uh, Kulu and Screw My Head. Fucking brilliant Excellent. record. The Lucy Dacus record as well was very, almost my number one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, very close. This is another fucking Julian Baker. We didn't even mention Julian Baker. Yeah, Julian Baker record was great as well. Um, Vince Staples self-titled record, in quotes. It went on for 20 minutes, <laughs> but it was still a nice little 20 minutes of Vince Staples. Chubby and the Gang, Mutt's Nuts. Yeah. Uh, Patrol of Guilt, I can f- chuck in either of those. <laughs> um, Snail Mail, Valentine, like real nice escalation for her. Yeah. From going from like n- nice little sweet little bedroom indie, sort of yeah, yeah, to like a bit more fully produced and realised. Like it's kind of the obvious step for her, but it actually yeah. really works. Uh, yep, Eated, I really enjoy. Converge Blood Moon. Uh, Navy Blue, familiar? No. Rapper, producer, no. he put out two two full records this year. As you do. Maybe lockdown had something to do with yeah. it, but it's just excellent. Um, <laughs> this is the nerd in me now. <laughs> Bobby Krillick, a.k.a. The Hacks and Cloak. Okay. With the Returnal soundtrack, which is my favourite game that I've played this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just It's just brilliant. It fits the game so well. It's this really creepy, dark sort of like brooding soundtrack yeah. to what the game is. Um, and I don't give a shit. The Kanye record. I didn't give it a listen to be totally honest. It's excellent. It's fucking excellent. Yeah. I really wasn't expecting to give one single shit. And I was just like, oh, I'll 
gave it a go. Mate from work said, honestly, just just check it out. And I said, all right, I'll give you and did it. And then I, I ended up really enjoying it. There you go. Um, uh, sorry, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Knock Loose. Oh, yeah, the that EP. EP. Yeah. Because before I heard that, it was the Never Ending Game yeah. EP. Yeah. But they fucking just kicked everything's ass this year. It's mental. That fucking, it just dropped out of nowhere. Yeah. And it was just like, it's so, it's a new, it's a new lane for them. Isn't oh, it? yeah. Like they've just turned the heavy to fucking yeah. 11. Just ridiculous. Much. But I echo a lot of, of the ones you said. That's Stiff Med's record. Fucking brilliant. Um, a band that I was kind of surprised wasn't in your top 10, uh, Shame Record. Yeah, no, I didn't. No, didn't no, drive it. no. Um, as you say, either portrayal of guilt record could have easily have been in there. Um, band called Urban Sprawl, they did a cool little sort of EP. Gel, fucking really cool sort of fast core stuff. Chemical Fix was another one that oh, very yeah. nearly yeah, got yeah. in my top ten. That's one of the ones that you showed me. Yeah, uh, Tiger's Jaw, really fucking cool record. They had a record this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, good friends of mine in Closer, uh, Slant, who are like a really cool, uh, I think they're South Korean. Yes, I've heard a lot about yeah. this Yeah, oh, yeah. so fucking they're, good. Um, <laughs> I actually tried to get you their record for Christmas. It's impossible. You cannot get it. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah, cannot get it. Um, for those I love, The Armed, new record, fucking batshit crazy. A band that you actually put me onto that I wasn't really that keen on until I heard this record, New Brockhampton, which... Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another band that very nearly made my top ten, Candy Apple, just like really harsh sort of punk, punk stuff. Um, yeah, just fucking loads of loads of fucking yeah, really yeah. cool stuff this year. Um, but one that I do want to kind of give a shout out for again that nearly made my top ten, but it's just something that I wouldn't usually listen to. Have you heard of an artist called Ash Nico? No. So she's a kind of rapper, hip hop artist, mm-hmm. but her aesthetic is very kind of Japanese. Ku- ku- is it kawaii? Like yeah. that, like kind of cutesy oh, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. anime look, mm-hmm. but she's just like talks of like her lyrics are very sort of like sex positive and stuff like that. Yeah. And but just like all of her songs are just like super catchy. Um, she had a record out this year which was really, really fucking cool, nice and also very nearly made my top 10. Yeah, I could go on forever because yeah. there's so much out this year, yeah. Um but yeah, as always, before we do wrap up, is there anything that you're looking forward to in the year 2022? Age Apocalypse. Yeah. Can't fucking wait. Yeah. Cannot fucking wait for that record. Yeah. It's like, it's everything we both love, isn't it? Yeah. It's like that really harsh, kind of really abrasive hardcore sound, but with the life of agony aspect thrown yeah, into yeah. it as well. So yeah, Age of Apocalypse for me, Life's Question is the other mm-hmm. one. Um I know it's recorded, so I fucking hope it comes out next year, but New Birds and Row as well. Oh, yeah, shit, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've heard um, rumblings of New Jesus piece as well. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, and one that I do know is definitely coming out. I'm not sure if you're a fan, but New Celeste record. Is that the French band? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, um, are we both hoping for a, a actual full Pillars of Ivory LP <sighs> as well? I'm hoping, but I don't think it's going to happen. Thing is, if you if you put all those records that you put out this year together, that can be a full length. Well, so so. Love, Le- Le- whatever it's called, the single that they <laughs> yeah. did, they released that and the two demos as a full length, oh, which I okay. which I have, um, and then obviously they did the split with Wicker Phase. Yeah, but yeah. something that's entirely their own, which is a full full length. Here it is, an actual full length. Yeah, not, like a, not what can be considered a demo. Yeah, I, yeah, I I fucking hope to the moon, <laughs> but who knows? Yeah. Maybe a new Mindforce record as well. Yeah, yeah, but definitely. Yeah, cool. Well, as always, thank you for for joining me. You are welcome. Um, in terms of the lovely listeners, thank you for sticking with us. Um, Thanks to my dog for being quiet for us. Yeah, he was. He hasn't <laughs> cheeped in at all this year. Um, yeah, we'll be back with guests ASAP. Trying to learn, learn, line some stuff up. Um, probably for mid-January just so I can get myself sorted but yeah hope everyone enjoys 2022 and there's a lot more kick-ass music but yeah as always thanks for stopping by the Justin Italy podcast and I'll see you soon bye